I'm Nels Anderson. And I'm Jesse Turner. And I'm Lee Alexander. And welcome to Terminal 7. Here we are, episode 54, a very, very special episode. The most special episode. We have a guest, a good friend of us today, here to talk about her brand new book set in the Android Netrunner universe, Monitor. Miss Lee Hi, everybody. Alexander, yeah. hello. Hi. How are you? A famed, acclaimed <laughs> author? Yeah. Oh, my God. What's that um, like? Well, it's it's a novella, so if there's some kind of word for author that's more miniature than author, like, you know, an author writes novels, and uh, novellas are written by... Authorellas. Author- I don't know. I like Authorella. I'm, author- I'm a mini author. Authorist. <laughs> Electric Authorella. Yeah. Like. yeah, something <laughs> <Perfect>. like that. <laughs> but yeah, um, very. We, we'll get into the, the meat of what the, the book is actually about in a bit. So if folks haven't read the book, we're basically going to do this in two parts. The first will be pretty general, high-level stuff, just talking about like generally what the book's about, the game, all kinds of stuff like that. And then in the second part, we'll get into like full-on spoiler territory. So if you haven't read the book yet... Nova, novella yet uh, novella. you're totally fine <laughs> to enjoy the, the first part and then you can come back for the second part when you've finished it and you should because it is very very wonderful really i love so, i loved it i I'm mean we so won't glad we won't spend we won't spend too much of this cast puffing up our buddies that's right but <laughs> i did really 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 enjoy it i wasn't sure, i wasn't know. sure what to expect um but i got both what I would expect from Lee and also a bunch of stuff that I wasn't expecting. So it oh, was that's, very that's wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, actually, I think maybe only five people in the world have currently read it uh, at this point, including yes. you. Whoa, uh, nice. So I've not Boom. actually even heard, you know, obviously, you know, Quinn's my partner has to tell me that he likes it. And, you know, my, fr- <laughs> my friends have to say that they like it. So this is like right. the first time that I have spoken to someone who's read it who's like a big fan. And I am glad to know that it met what you were hoping for. Met and exceeded. Met and exceeded. Wow, this is awesome. That is that's pretty high praise, Mills. I actually, I actually, <laughs> Thank you. I actually love this book a lot. I, I actually, really, really I, I, I really did. And I, again, with Nels, I was kind of wondering what I like. I looked, I looked at the length, and I've been reading a lot of uh, short stories recently, like neo horror stuff. So I was kind of like, oh, like, this is gonna be great, super crunchy, super lean book. And yeah, um, it, it really felt well. Like you, you got a lot covered uh, in the yeah. book right out of the gate. Surprises me with the book not being about monitor lizards. <laughs> no, that's I'm true. Sorry. Right out of the I gate, know. I'm super surprised. You maybe yeah, you a lot folks... of people are going to be disappointed that it's not about monitor lizards. <laughs> there is there is a, di- a different kind of lizard though. <laughs> there is a, a, a slightly a slightly less competent lizard, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some incompetent lizards in there, but not monitor lizards. <laughs> uh, before we get into the book, um, so you said this is kind of the first novel you've written. You have done some other both fiction and nonfiction writing in the past. I mean, yeah. so, so I guess tell for folks who aren't familiar, like, how did you do what, what, what do you generally do? And how did you end up writing this weird small novel? <laughs> so, yeah, normally I'm a journalist. Um, I, I did video games writing for many years. Now I do um, digital culture. So I do a lot of um, tech culture articles at The Guardian now. Uh, I also have a column, a new column at Vice Motherboard, which deals with technomancy and superstition and ritual around tech. So basically magic in your computer and anything that could be an X-File. Um, 
Technomancy is not a word I was expecting to hear today. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) I've I've always been interested in the weird internet. So that was like the source of, I think the first book that I published was a slim ebook called Breathing Machine, which is a memoir of growing up um, with a primitive uh, internet as a kid. And um, I have written a sort of uh, sprawling, really long uh, novella length personal essay about going to GDC, which is the Game Developers uh, Conference. That's called Clipping Through. It's pretty topic specific um, about you know being at a game development conference. Right. <laughs> um, and then there's this one. And, and then there's also you know, Mona, which is probably yes, the only like published bit of fiction, fiction that I've done. published. Yeah, I dabble around in fiction, you know, fairly often. Um, and I've done some like kind of, you know, comic Sonic the Hedgehog like joke satire writing fiction. Good. God, I just good. It, it sounds like I just said I had a, that I write Sonic fanfic, but I mean I guess <laughs> I, confirmed yeah, no, the yeah. author right here, right <laughs> here. Author of Sonic fun, Sonic fanfic confirmed. Break, breaking news. <laughs> no, I've written. I've, you know, I've written some creative satire and things like that. Mona is a short story that I had illustrated by the artist Emily Carroll. She she and I collaborated on that to kind of just tell the short horror story with pictures. Um, but yeah, this is probably the largest uh, piece of complete fiction I've ever written, which is funny because it's still not the length of a full novel. I found it very challenging to do. Yeah. Um, so how did the process of that compare versus either the nonfiction uh, stuff you've done or Mona or um, any of the other stuff? Yeah. Like, you know, as a journalist, you know, I'm used to thinking of things in, in essay structure. And, um, you right. know, m- most of what I write now tops out at 1,500 to 3,000 words. And I'm used to being able to complete a thought in that amount of time. So the the challenge of making a plot uh, was actually pretty daunting. Um, they uh, Fantasy Flight had approached me and asked me if I wanted to do a book because I was just kind of writing some um, fiction drabbles uh, related to NBN on my friend Alex Hearn's blog and everyone sees my like NBN conspiracy theory Twitter rants and I guess they did too. Right. Like, well, you, you seem to feel very strongly about this. It's um, like someone is always watching. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah. It was like they. It was like they had targeted me with marketing. Oh, um, snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I had never done anything like it before, but I decided that I would give it a shot. And, um, yeah, here we are. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. So, I mean, obviously, you were working with the folks at Fantasy Flight. Um, what, so, when when it came time, like, did you, were they sort of like, you should write a story about NBN? Or was it just kind of like, you seem to like this stuff pitch us whatever you want right it was kind of like that um it it was implied that they had a good idea of what i might be able to contribute already and like very few people get invited to turn their fan fiction into canon like (laughs) that's kind of a it's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity so i was like this seems like a lot of work and i have no idea what i'm doing but i can't resist (laughs) perfect well that's i love it that's 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 what i like (laughs) yeah no it's like uh yeah now my like that's a that's like I think a very strong statement to be able to make about my life. I canonized my fanfic. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Anointed like some kind of weird yeah, netrunner pope. It's like, the, it's like the dork version of becoming a saint. Right, there you go. That's even better. <laughs> uh, dork saint Alexander. That's me. <laughs> um, so it, I've always found like the the netrunner you know, the, the android universe as yeah as, yeah I've, i have to get used to this i can't I know, say i wrote right? a netrunner book i wrote an android universe book yeah um that it's it's interesting because since it was built entirely by ffg in-house it was it was it's like it's obviously this big fictional world but it was built to like serve the games they work on first yeah as compared to, you know most other 
IPs ugh, that they work with, which are like, oh, st- you know, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or whatever, where it's like, oh, those things were, were like, you know, novels or TV shows or whatever first. I guess they were all novels first. Um, yeah. Or movies. Uh, mm. First. And then they're doing an adaptation through some other media. Exactly. So with the Android stuff, it seems like it's always been a bit more amorphous just because it's like, oh, well, we need something that works for the game. Let's add a thing. So when you started working inside of like writing inside of that, did you like, how did you kind of get familiar with the world? I mean, obviously, you know, you can, since it is more, since it feels more intangible, it feels like you could add tons of your own stuff, but you still want it to like be connected to the things that already exist. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, did they give you that giant world book to pour through? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, really? I I do own the lore Bible. Ah, Yeah. I can't, I, I, it's under NDA. I'm afraid I can't share anything in it. Um, but yeah, they did give me a lore Bible so that I could know, you know, what had been established and what hadn't, because it is massive. The, the Android universe even predates the Netrunner card game that we play now. Um, so, uh, and then there were, there are existing Android novels already. So they've actually taken, quite a bit of care um, internally to make sure that consistency has happened and um, And, and, yeah so and then they just published a lot of that as the big worlds of android book right so probably all of us all of us plebeians have access to like a more edited filtered (laughs) redacted version of what you got i imagine (laughs) yeah i mean but the thing that honestly prepared me the most to to write the book is was playing the game and and you guys have had me on before and you know that you know i'm not a very skillful player you know i don't really you know i'm easily frustrated when i play the game and in fact i haven't played in like months and months because i was just kind of net runnered out working on this project right but um one of the uh the things that I, the reason that I persisted with it and the reason that I liked it is because I liked the imagination space. I thought that the mechanics did a really good job of world building on their own. Like you, you know, most people who play regularly are like, you know, so what is this, you know, when I do this move or when I play these cards, you know, what does that actually mean that the runner is doing in the world? Um, you know, and I, and I had done a lot of that thinking and I was really, um, keen to explore that. So from there, you know, I already had an idea of, let's say, you know, what the relationship of like an anarch to the corporation NBN would be. um, and what the relationship of certain existing characters in the world to the company would be. Um, And, you know, they they did such a good job, I think, building it out through the card game itself and through the, like, little packets and lore lore leaflets that they released with the card game that from there, it was more of a chance – you know, from there, it was more of a matter of me going through the lore Bible and saying, like, can I do this? Like, is there a reason in here that I can't do this with this? You know, like, right. what, yeah, and, and what are the words for, you know, these types of residences or, or, you know, like just to get it absolutely consistent and make sure that nothing that I wanted to do was at odds with the universe as they had previously done it. Right, right. Oh, it's so cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> was there anything? I mean, I guess. I guess. Okay, we'll we'll save that bit for the spoiler section. Um, but in in the back of the of the hardcover edition of Monitor, there's about yeah. like eight to twelve, sixteen, yes. like of these very nice, very well illustrated, glossy pages that are yeah. have a little bit of that like you know almost like Wikipedia style. Yeah, entry. that actually would have been great for people that aren't familiar with the universe to read yeah. first before reading. Yes. So for people who pick up the hardcover, I heartily recommend you flip to the back, read the glossy pages. And then read the story itself. Um, yeah, I, I wrote those as well. Okay, you, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah, okay, if you wrote yeah. those, or if those were like us, like a subset of the of the lore bible. That's cool. That's awesome. Okay, sweet. Yeah, they were very um, awesome about including my ideas, like you know, and inviting me to participate. Like I think, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who write for IPs, and and uh, I know that it can be very tricky working in something that doesn't belong to you, and where certain rights and brands are already established. But you know, for the most part, they were very kind of in- inviting um, my participation. And when they realized that they wanted to have these things in the hardcover, they were kind 
out of like, you know, oh, do you want to be the one to write them? Because, you know, right. this is, this, this is your, these, this is, these are aspects that your imagination has added. So right. yeah, I did do that. And I, I, I generated that myself, which was super fun. I had a lot of fun doing the back section and it was really, really amazing seeing some of my concepts with the, with the illustrations yeah. um, from the art team, from the art team there. Like that was awesome. Yeah. The, um, my, my favorite one in there, the, the one with, with Bex, with all the Bex, that's like pretty sweet, yeah. but uh, the one I love the most is definitely just the, the sketch of Sun, Sunshine Junction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, they're just, the, when I first saw that, you know, I just like teared up a little bit cause it's like, Oh, it's that affirmed for me that what I had created was like in the universe now. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it, it, it makes it very, very tangible. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they actually they never told me that they were that they had commissioned art of Bex in particular. Oh, really? Um, I, yeah, I think because uh, my it was clear to my editor how important she was to me as a character, and they wanted to surprise me, so that was awesome. Oh, I think awesome. you know. I'm just assuming. They really, yeah, I just they really nailed it on that. Yeah. Wow, like the the, the, the bags under eyes, everything about her. yeah, the, the, yeah. The, 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 the demonic look. It's just amazing. It's such it was a good exactly job. what I had in my head. It's amazing getting the opportunity to have some of my imagination brought to life in this way. Ah, it's so cool. Um, well, let's very briefly at a high level talk about like what the book is actually about. Sure. I know it's always weird to ask an author to summarize their own work, <laughs> but if you had to give like a tiny synopsis, if someone is hearing about this for the first time, kind of what is the non-spoilery version of, of what Monitor is about? And they'll just read the back of the book. Yes, yeah. there is a synopsis <laughs> on the back, but... Well, Monitor is about um, a, a small group of young student activists who decides it wants to take on NBN um, and probably gets in over their heads a little bit um, with that. Um, and I wanted – it was important to me to put in themes that were kind of relevant to my experience of the internet as it is now. Um, right. So, you know, certain um, privacy concerns, certain um, – uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's economic concerns. So I just thought about, you know, what's it like to be young and online and what kind of forces do we get angry at if we were going to if we were if we were going to fight the internet, you know, what factors would come into play? <laughs> if um, you were going to punch the internet, <laughs> yeah. what would you punch? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I did I did a lot of aspects of it were sort of personal for me because, you know, I've sort of been through a lot as a woman who writes about video games um and some things that, you know, seem disproportionate with the relatively harmless act of writing about video games quite yeah um, yeah and it is strange that the the internet can feel like a thing that suddenly turns on you and that's something that i sort of brought you know the internet as a nebulous entity can suddenly turn on that uh, right. turn on you and and i brought i wanted to bring some of that to the book um and also you know i do you know, behind a lot of that, I do a lot of activism or, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to call myself an activist now because, you know, in the process of writing the book, I've, I've considered a lot what, what activism really means and what, and the, and the courage and the work that it takes, right. um, rather than just like, you know, tweeting your social justice memes all day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, not that, not that there aren't all kinds of ways to speak up and make a difference. I don't want to represent that there's, you know, a, a good way to care and a, and a bad way to care. Um, but I did sort of, you know, I had gone through, sort of a sort of per a personal self-analysis where I was wondering, you know, how effective I was being at creating change in my space and whether I had traded, you know, too much of my privacy and my safety for, you know, relatively little positive effect for other people. So I definitely think a lot of that came out in the book because I was writing that along the time that I was dealing with some of the aftermath of that in my own life. Like I didn't, right. I don't want it to sound like I intentionally, like I didn't intentionally render my own life on the page that way. But when I started thinking about the themes that I thought belonged in the book, I, a lot of my personal life just kind of naturally came out in that. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, I think that's kind of, that's that's some of the stuff that's interesting, right? Is that like 
you know, they're definitely a, a, a pretty small subset of people. And they're generally like, you know, young, relatively tech aware folks, you know, basically yeah. like us who, who can kind of, who have kind of like had these experiences in a way that like, you know, say, so this is the thing that I thought was like super interesting about the book, right? If you look at most like, you know, dystopian, like surveillance state fiction, any time before like the 21st century it's all about you know it's the canonical 1984 right it's like oh the yeah, government the, is watching exactly you. the dark orwellian yep. um you know big brother the you know the black and white uh the language policing um uh and, i actually yeah oh sorry oh, so, and i thought it was super interesting is that like in this it wasn't about you know just oh the government's watching you to keep you from committing crimes it's way more like subtle and insidious yeah it feels more real yeah it feels way more real where you're like oh god yeah that's right this is why oh oh the world oh what a mess i think it is real like i think that we are policing each other socially i think that you know most of our behaviors are currently being monitored by the services we use to to, to serve ads to us like i think that is absolutely true of oh, the yeah. world today um so i tr- you know like Dystopia tends to imagine a far-flung future where things have already kind of passed a, a certain critical mass. But there's so much about the world of Android that is like that already. Like, you know, the, the, it, its systems are overtaxed. There are tons of poor people. You know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, maverick revolutionaries living at the edge of legality and all that stuff. But what is the average life? You know, what about the people who live in the cities and have a daily life? And, and that's sort of what Monitor was about, the sort of more mundane evils that get committed against us by, you know, our lifestyles and by one another. Um, yeah, and there's, this is also, so I wrote an article not that long ago. It's on, I just put, published it on my Medium page. It's called The New Intimacy Economy. And it is about how, you know, far from the, the vision of dystopia that we, you know, we, again, we imagine that there's going to be a sort of militarized control over us, but right. the things, the D- things dudes, that I am. Dudes in black uniforms with jackboots. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look at how surveillance is actually happening to us in the real world today, it's being sort of coated in peanut butter like like a medicine to, you know they're, they're trying to give you the spoonful of sugar facebook is like oh tell us tell us what you're watching today friend like you right. know highly we care about the time you're spending here so why not tag some more of your friends in these photos and it really is um stars favs likes hearts it's this like really pro-social smarmy method of getting us to volunteer for surveillance which is is far away from the from the dystopia or well imagined this is you know more of a sort of cheerful smug you know techno utopian uh you know surveillance um i was really inspired by um the circle by david eggers which is sort of about a, a google alike where the values of community and volunteering your privacy and all of that are, are 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 seen as this corporate good and i looked around and that sort of ethos is present in all the social media that i use on a daily basis so that's something that is prevalent in monitor yeah it, it's almost like it's kind of chilling because it's like oh it's a surveillance but it's a surveillance you largely submit to willingly and not even just i mean by, like, we are we literally <laughs> We literally do that. That's that's yeah. It's it, all the services we use are stealing our information. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's not even like oh, you do it by like not really the Euler or whatever. It's like that's part of it. Yeah. It's like literally, it's like oh no, it just kind of like incentivizes you to yeah. share way too much and then get sort of rewarded for it. 
And that was always why I loved NBN as a corporation, not just because of the play style, but because, you know, you have like meat damage, clones, you know, BMW (laughs) robots, and then the the TV news, you know, like just products and services, just marketing and films, you know, like there was something for me that was always exponentially more sinister about NBN than the others, because at least the others are honest that they have like, you know. Yeah, they're honest (laughs) about being evil. It's like, when we retire these clones. You know we're just putting them in the bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yes, definitely. We just have, like, boxes full of heads in our basement. But, like, <laughs> but NBN is, like, you know, just trying to make your day a little easier with, uh, you know, today's promotional deals that are slowly leeching one credit per turn or whatever, you know? Right. Uh, um, well, speaking speaking of the game, uh, obviously, and if any of this is more spoilery, we can take it for a second. But if you had, and this is putting you on the spot, I know. Okay. If you had your druthers... Yeah. What is one card? I mean, it can even just be like flavor. It doesn't have to be mechanical. <laughs> okay. Inspired from the book that you'd most oh. want to see in the game. Oh, wait. Oh, one card inspired from the book. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. Because so the book is mid-season replacements the book. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that part. We'll get to okay. the cards into the book. Um, but the book I, back I, out into the card. I'd actually almost call it a documentary. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh right? Like, oh, Jesse. <laughs> I I thought about having like a Bex Gleason asset, mm. um, but or yeah, I don't know. I would have to I would have to think about this a lot more. I think it would be cool if you could make the runner get lost on their run, but there's already cards that do that. Um, you know that like you are now running on a totally different server. Right. That's like a very Gentechy type thing to do. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's like a lot of what I – I was writing fanfic about the cards I liked already. So a lot of the key um, plot points are accounted by existing things in the game, which was one of my goals. I wanted people to imagine an additional fictional layer when they're using some of these classic NBN cards that right. are so crucial to our strategy. <laughs> well, I mean, so was there kind of a bit of a balance there? Because, you know, your, your friends and ours, Mr. Chris and Edie over at Run Last Click, like yeah. Edie does his – John Hackman <laughs> fiction, yeah. where it's like it's literally just oh. names of cards occasionally potpourri together with a few extra verbs. Oh, don't think I didn't do that though. It's there if you want to look for it. Don't think I didn't do that. Oh yes, but you did it in like a very, a very tasteful, deliberate way. So like, well, was there was there a bit of a balancing act there where you're like, oh, you know, I obviously want to pay homage to all the stuff in the game, but, but not I- come off like Mr. Hackman. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah, I did actually. There were I, I can't remember anymore now because I you know, I, I worked on I started the manuscript over a year ago. It's right. um so I, I can't really remember, but there were definitely some points where I was like, Okay, you don't need to put that many cards names just like into the pros. Like right. yeah, yeah. over there itinerant protesters were being <laughs> targeted by marketing and then yeah, it's very easy to do that. Yeah. But I mean there but at the same time, you know, I thought that delicately I did want to have some of those touchstones in there. So, you know, because they don't disrupt the experience for people who don't play. Um, yeah, totally. But I think, I think they're like moments of grounding for people who do. I hope I was. Maybe <laughs> is this a roundabout way of s- suggesting that I might have been heavy handed? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was fine. I mean, um, I mean, one of the things that I also really appreciated about it is like this is just totally, I think, in my opinion, like a completely serviceable standalone just bit of like cyberpunk writing wow like, thank you someone someone who's obviously if you're familiar with the game I, either the netrunner game or like any of the other androidy board games or whatever like you'd obviously get way more but there's nothing yeah. essential from those 
needed to actually understand and enjoy what makes this interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was important for me too. I did I tried I tried to do that. Yeah, and it feels like that is often where a lot of, you know, um based on other existing intellectual properties, writing falls short, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, if maybe you're, if you're not super familiar with all this stuff from uh, Warhammer or whatever, then reading one of those Warhammer novels is just going to be incoherent. Yeah. Um, but this is yeah, like, oh, no. this is like, you know, just kind of like weird speculative, like near future sci-fi. Yeah. That if you're in the know, you're like, oh, oh, it's that, it's that, yeah. and that, and that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, I don't know. Again, there, there's really much a question there. It's just more puffery. Thank you. But I thought it was really cool. So people, I would say, maybe to actually make this serviceable, People who are listening to this obviously are probably fans of the card game, but you could very well give this book as a gift to any friend, family member, whoever, who likes sci-fi and without any expectation that they wouldn't understand what's going on, I'd say. Yeah, I, th- I think that you painted a pretty accessible uh, idea of what... If, if anything... Maybe it's a Trojan horse way to get people in. Well, that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah, like I've always, it's always frustrated me because there are so many games that I like um, with rich worlds and cool characters and so much that I like about these games that I know that my friends would like if only they were not these games. You know, like they are, they're sort of trapped behind this wall of vocabulary and uh, skill checks. Like, you know, every card game scene has that problem with it where, you know, people want to know how legit you are. Like there are, there are just a lot of barriers around things in games that I that was one of the reasons I, I got frustrated and didn't want to write about games anymore because I, I wasn't finding the audience that I wanted to find they don't want to listen to something as long as they think it's associated with the world of quote-unquote gaming you know what I mean so it's like I thought you know maybe I should just I should try to focus in my writing on what I think is universally interesting about this world and about this game and 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 not have those barriers up. That was something I did do conscientiously. I wanted I I wanted it to be readable by people who didn't have like an in-depth level understanding of Netrunner cuz I I'm, I'm no Netrunner wizard. Like, you know, I'm not wizard? I won't even play in front of, Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I probably like wouldn't even play in front of you right now because I'm so far behind. So it's like I I didn't want um I didn't want the skill check to be part of it. Yeah. No, I think I think it definitely wasn't the case, and if it happens to work for some people in the reverse, I would say that is could be super cool. Yeah, yeah, I do hope that it invites more people because that's just like as a critic of of systems, that's something that I appreciated that I've long appreciated about um, Android Netrunner as a card game is that it may it it is a good vehicle for storytelling if you can get past the density of the mechanics. Totally, and I think often yeah. for a lot of people, like they they, I think a lot of people are are way more capable of playing like crunchier more heavier games either analog or digital games than they think they are but yes. they just kind of need that like extra little hook yeah. to pull them in yeah yeah. Um, yeah, they need, yeah they need a hand for sure and that's what i kind of wanted to say it's like this universe is amazing there's opportunities for all kinds of you know relevant storytelling it's very diverse cast of characters very um fresh and modern feeling ideas about power in this world like you know a lot of the things that traditionally would repel someone like me from you know a certain game are not present uh in that universe it's so progressive and so cool i just you know i i did want yeah i just kind of wanted people to get involved the way that i was yeah it's awesome all right. Do we want to move over into Spoiler Town? Yeah, let's go into Spoiler Town. Okay. So, I guess. Okay. If, if that's all you're going to listen to, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> come, come on back. Listen to the back half of this cast. As soon as you finish Monitor, it's super good. Um, Thank I guess you. we should mention this now okay. before we before we depart into Spoilersville. Um, the book is available. By the time you're listening to this, it was available at Gen Con. So, if you're a cool person who went to Gen Con and bought a copy, 
God, you're cool. Um, if, you were, if you did not have the opportunity, or if perhaps say they all sold out before you could get one, because I'm sure that is going to be what happens, um, they should be available to order either on FFG's website, or if you're outside of a place where FFG can easily mail things to you, your local game store should be able to order some copies. Yeah, and and, and if the hard, they're only doing a limited printing of the hardcover, and if you don't get one, there is an ebook available um, that they will also release. Yes, I believe that's coming a little bit later, sometime this. Yeah, oh, I think I'm not used to reading a hard copy, hardcover book. I'll tell you that. Much. It was like it was confusing. I'm like, where, where do I put a lamp? Where do I put my light? Am I getting paper cuts? It was just a, a crazy visceral experience that I haven't had. In a while. Oh, I'm so glad that I was able to provide that. Really, for you. really did. Felt like a yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's definitely where folks should you should get yourself a copy because yep. it's awesome. Hey, quick note, Lee was on something of a tight schedule, so we wanted as much time with her as possible, but we also have something very important to add. The kind folks at Fantasy Flight are actually giving away one copy of Monitor to one very lucky listener in North America. Sorry, folks in Europe, Asia, Luna, and Mars. Um, So, if you want a chance to win, we need to know why you deserve it. We want you to give us your best sales pitch on getting yourself a job at NPN. How would you improve customer engagement, maximize division-specific KPIs, and track satisfaction across verticals? And, of course, NBN rewards creativity and out-of-the-box thinking. So feel free to submit your cover letter as an essay, poem, netcast, freestyle rap battle, or interpretive finger painting. Uh, Send the pitches to Terminal 7, that's with the numeral 7, at idlethumbs.net. You have two weeks, so on Tuesday, August 23rd, we'll pick the winner, and we'll get in contact with you to get your mailing address, so FFG can send you a copy of Monitor. And of course, we'll share some of our favorites on a future cast. Uh, So thanks, Fantasy Flight, and good luck! Uh, okay, and now let's head over to the Spoilersville. Yep. You know what? You know what? Okay, you know, you know what? We'll get right out of the gate. You know what? To be a really, really cool card is actually... Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> I think a really cool card would actually be Lana Ray on both sides, but the Corp and the, the Runner can play it. Like, back... Oh! Oh man! At the beginning, when she's you know she's like bright and she's like helping out and stuff like that, and then when she does the big flip at the end, right? Yeah, oh. Idiot. yeah, you could be the uh... because because imagine being the runner and you play it and you're getting all these benefits and the card's like eh, eh, it's like a current right? Actually, like, actually we've she'd... hired them. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Wow, I... that's so you came up with that so much. That's a so much better idea than any of my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I actually so about well the, done, Jesse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was I was due, I guess. Um, I love the the characters you wrote in this book. Um, really? Because it's, I, when, okay, all the things that happened with Lana, I, I'm, I think, knowing, knowing, uh, not, not a lot of your history, but knowing a bit of, you know, the, th- the, the issues you have gone through, through work being a woman, writing yeah. video games, digital age, video games are, are sometimes embarrassing industry that me and Nels are in, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, when she gets, like, fired, uh, I felt as, as, as hot, like, as, like, nervous as as embarrassed like (laughs) her embarrassment and her uh like vulnerability was like tangible through the whole thing yeah thank you in in a way that like i i'm just like i'm I'm like what this is white guy (laughs) 
course. Yeah. <laughs> I have it so I, I I have it like super easy. So it was just- no, but I, I appreciate that you found it relatable. It just it, it is an experience that I think you know isn't necessarily gender specific to you know have you know things taken away from you and things taken away from your control in that way. But you know there are additional you know there are additional implications for her that her teammates don't experience, and she gets different kinds of comments than they do, and 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 different kinds of consequences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was cool. It was, Thank you. Yeah, I like that. Um, the the bit that I definitely found to be the most un- like easy easy to to picture and most unsettling is the bit where uh, Johnny and Lana roll down to Broadcast Square. Mm-hmm. Broadcast yeah. Square. <laughs> Saw that card. I pulled um, it out while I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Quote unquote cool. Broadcast Square. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden. All the all the screens show that they're there, and basically everybody in the crowd just turns around, turns on their pads, and just re- is recording them. And yeah. It's, and then so it's all it's all, and then uh, the, the the all the screens get turned off, so it's just them surrounded by like a sea of faintly illuminated, yeah, it pad lit faces, it, and then the recording yeah. light, yeah. And it's just a sea of just like glowing red watching. Recording it was eyes. It, like it was the monster. It was the monster of this book. Was yeah. Just that was the first people, scene right? that I actually imagined. Like when I thought, like, what is this book I'm going to write? That was the first um, scene that I imagined um, because I, yeah, I guess I wanted to explore that. Just, you know, because people always tell you like, oh, it's not so bad, you know, if you're having bad experiences online, just, you know, just turn it off or it's not a real threat. No one's actually going to hurt you. It's just it's just the Internet or it's just this. It's just that. But, you know, it is scary even if they are only watching. Like, you know, I didn't really feel like in that scene the crowd was going to really be a physical threat to them necessarily. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, just the just the fact that they were staring at you and the possibility was there um, was, my, was something that I found scary. So I'm glad you did as well. Yeah. Well, and just the bit where it's like you know all these people all of a sudden like are looking at you and they just want to record you so they can like be yeah. part of what's going on or whatever yeah. so they're not they like, dehumanized well, you they're yeah. not they looking at you, you they're looking person. at yeah they just see you as like oh well they're, they're here and they have to document the fact that they were here and then oh they got a glimpse of the you know was it this this disgruntled activists of new age yeah. oh, the, yeah. the 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 slacktivists which yes is, like, yeah. that was a great term and also the 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 Desperate young activists. Yeah, Desperate young activists. That's there we the go. one. That's there we the go. One. And and, and the yeah. idea of join the conversation sounds innocent enough when it's just dog dogpile. You you bunch yeah, of gross monsters exactly. just dogpile on these poor people. Yeah. Bit, and as a writer, that's something we deal with all the time. They're like, you know, there was a time that being a writer on the internet meant, you know, your editor would say, you know, get down there in the comments, engage people's questions, <laughs> have a discussion with them. And actually, no, they're screaming for your head. I can't have it. You know, like they 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 do. It, it's dehumanizing. And then this idea that it's just a conversation that we're having. It's yeah. just a just an open, free and open dialogue on the internet. Where, but sometimes it, there, there is a, a mob in power and an individual that's a target. And it's a, we all yeah. know YouTube comments is it's a cesspit. Just don't just, just leave yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What, what I what I really loved is um, which I think everyone can relate to is like everybody wants to make a difference and be important and be known, but no one wants to. No one, no one wants to be like outed as like a failure that hard like 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 like, yeah. like these kids did and yeah. when when like the kids get like when they actually edit it in her face and she becomes, says this obnoxious line that they like sync with her face i was just like oh yeah. god that is so doable and that is so embarrassing and oh i know like <laughs> i was could, like reeling could any person stand behind like basically like she, you know bex gleason could do that to any one of us you know yeah. basically yes. she, is, she is a very frightening individual because yeah, totally. everyone's like oh you're you're just yourself online but actually we are just a constellation of 
of different snippets of, di- of information from different times about ourselves that people could theoretically use to tell whatever kind of story about you that, you know, that they want. And we do, we see this happening in real life. We see, you know, mobs going after, you know, progressive voices or women and people of color and trying to say, oh, well, you know, she, de- she deserved to lose her job because she was, you know, a cam girl or, you know, this person deserved to be, fi- this person deserved the abuse because they said racist things first. And they can assemble whatever kind of truth justifies mistreatment by others. And that's the thing that, that goes on on the internet right now all the time that I think is actually really dystopian and horrible. Oh, yeah, totally. That, like, the fact that when everything is recorded but you can just grab any part of it, then you can just grab anything completely divorced from its context and you can basically just do whatever you want with that. Especially because, like, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I'm actually pretty lucky because I'm, like, a 90s kid and growing up, none of my stuff was just posted on anything. Yeah, yeah. Which I right. think is a blessing. Yeah. All Holy those, all, all those D&D forums I used to post in, fortunately, they are, have all folded and disappeared <laughs> into the mire and are not preserved for all time. Thank God. Yeah. That, yeah. And, but, but of course, like Lana and Tim and Johnny, they they don't. Their entire life was that. And, jo- and like Johnny spends yeah. a lot of time trying to be like, well, who should I be? I want to I want to I be this guy. I, I yeah. should, right. is, is, was, was Icarus the cool guy? They're like, no, Johnny, don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't do that. That's not the guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he represents the delusion that you can control your image using the internet and in fact you can't like yeah. everyone's like oh everyone only posts nice things to Facebook because they want to create a, an illusion about their lives and that's true we are we're, all we're creating is a positive and a best version it's the, of ourselves on the internet yeah, it's, it's like the highlight reel that's why you shouldn't get bummed when you see someone's crazy successful Facebook things because you're only seeing the highlight reel. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and you can only keep that up for so long. If you stick your head over the line, if you draw attention to yourself, if you take any kind of major risks, you lose sort of control over that image that you're putting forward. Yeah, and then once, it, and then once you kind of lose grasp of it, it is just gone forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's this TV show that started up pretty recently. It's called Unreal. Uh, no, I don't know that one. It's on all things... It's on Lifetime. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. What it is, it's actually, it is, it's technically fiction, but it's heavily, heavily based on one of the producer's experiences being a producer of reality TV. Oh, wow. And so it's oh, like, right. it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, I, you know what? I have seen that. Oh, okay. I have, I actually did see that. Uh, I just forgot the name of it. Yeah. I did so see it, that. It was this during the big boom? And like, no, no. The, uh, the, well, the she, she was the, the lady who's the producer of Unreal. She actually worked in reality TV, like, yeah, during the height They're of produce, the big It's, hype, it's yeah. a plot about a couple of women who are producing some kind of version of the the bachelorette and then Basically. they're trying to cause okay. interesting things to happen yeah. on the show so, and things get yeah, a little out of control. Goes, it's like, oh, it's reality, except you see that it's like it's the most it I- ironically totally titled scripted, manipulated. <laughs> it's like, it, it's as far from reality yeah. as it typically is. But it like it's only like the only real thing is that the people who are in it aren't actors playing characters, they're ostensibly playing themselves. Like the, yeah. like in general in reality TV, right? Like yeah. that is the only thing it's actually real about is that like the people in it are real people. Everything else about it is still fake as hell. <laughs> yeah. But everyone thinks kind of the sort of the lie that reality TV tells, right? Is that like, oh, this is all real. This is just this is just what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 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 this is why you, we, we enjoy watching these gritty emotional moments that, you know, but you know nothing that is created by a broadcasting company is real. Exactly. <laughs> no, like have you ever just held a camera at someone and seen how they act totally differently? Like they're like alien. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like yeah, boring. You, it's just them watching them, like you 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 have a machine that literally transforms people <laughs> into oh, well, shit, well, I got to tuck my chest in. Am I looking am I looking fat? Because that's what I'm thinking about all the freaking time. Like, no, you're not. Like, a, a camera turns that on, and your book is great because it's like that's that, that that's everything. That's in the only thing she confides in. That's in her adorable little 
diversity yeah. otter. Yeah. yeah. Then and she goes confessional style. Confessional yeah, that, style, yeah. And so that bit, I don't know if that was deliberately pulled from. That definitely like reminded me of those, you know, the, oh, the, the, the camera confessional cuts in, in reality TV shows where it's like, oh, this yeah. is, it felt like it was inspired by that, but maybe that wasn't. A little bit, yeah. It, it was, it, yeah. It was inspired a little bit by that, but it was also kind of um, a lot of women in the past few years have sort of taken control of the journalism environment by popularizing confessional writing, right. um, which you know, in a lot of ways, has been great. You know, because suddenly we don't have to justify the value of our voices and pers- like, you know, where are your facts? Where are your logics? You know, nothing. This is an article about my experience. You know, and and a lot of women in particular, I think, have found a lot of um, solace and inspiration in doing really, really personal storytelling about themselves um and youtube uh vi- you know video stars there's a whole market around people kids just watch other kids their age being themselves you know attractive cool kids but like you know a lot of these kids that have millions of followers all they do is get on youtube and be like i felt sad today but you know what you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. it's it's a whole industry around this perception that we're being a that we're being honest and b that being honest is somehow empowering so i i wanted to look at the fact that she looked for power in confessional style and that it also kind of was maybe not maybe she was self, she was just marketing herself in a different way i think yeah well because that's what i find like i'm all i'm so of two minds about like the whole rise of confessional journalism right because yeah it's like it's well like, i it's, am of two minds of it as well i am yeah and I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm not we, saying you weren't but it feels like it's like oh okay so that's that's good interesting that there's an outlet here and if you want to do that that's fine but it also feels like it builds it's certainly at least in some outlets the expectation that's kind of Oh, that's 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 the sort of writing you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot ever... of young writers that I know, they they especially when I was doing Offworld, for example, people would pitch me video game articles that would be like, you know, I want to write this video game article that's about my life story or something really painful that happened to me. Or you know, there was definitely a phase where women and marginalized people were given the message that the only way for us to be listened to and the only <laughs> ways for our perspectives to be valuable would be if we sort of marketed up our most painful moments or our personal identity crises or other you know very very bits of private information, and then people would publish our perspective because it was so raw and so brave, you know, rather than, you know, why can't we invite, you know, women, people of color and marginalized folks to write about things other than what it's like to be themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, they can talk about interesting things if that intersects with Yeah, why can't you respect me and my colleagues as authorities on this topic? Like, why do I have to serve up, you know... You know, tell a detail about my sex life or tell a detail about my childhood in order for you to listen to my views on this. So yeah, I am, I'm also, I'm also of two minds about it. I think, you know, for a lot of people, it was empowering and gave rise to a lot of a uh, sense of permission in, in their writing. And, and, and then I think also it is, it, it, it's not really fair. And I think that a lot of people do, young people in particular, do get exploited by publications who don't pay them to tell these horrible like you know they're publishing these stories now like i'm glad my friend killed herself and things like like, yeah. <laughs> like you know like and then of course obviously it's just a personal essay from a young woman like dealing with conflicting feelings about her friend's suicide but you know then she gets mobbed on the internet for being glad about a suicide and it's like why did you publish that that was immoral of you yeah. to publish that you know that's that, that's a sort of example that really happened yeah. so and then and then of course the outlet just roll rolls in the, the click advertising dollars exactly like, oh, good. That, that one that that's one. Like yeah. a lot of talk yeah, talk about the most like clickiest baitiest title ever. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah. actually think I actually think Lee actually really handled that idea in the book really well with Thank uh, you. Miranda Rhapsody, the raw outlook of the other of the celebrity who who had to yeah. just basically say how honest she was. Yeah. And yeah. then 
Uh, yep. Lana turns it and she uses that to help. It's like the only, I, for me, it was like the only win she gets in the book was this little confessional, this sliver of like everyone kind of says like, oh, wow, we're sympathizing with her. It's so, so raw and emotional. And it's yeah. screwing with like the big guy. And it's great because, you know, Max has set her up so she can actually do this. So yeah. the same thing is happening in two, two, two totally different ways, which, which yeah. I, I thought was really, really quite good. Even though yeah. Miranda Rhapsody isn't covered very well, but it obviously did really well for Bex and she, right. she became famous for, for this raw outlook and then all of a sudden it's like when the tables are turned slightly and this Lana shows the propensity to do the same thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And so I think it's which is which is great because like you guys are saying this is this is it's it's it's, it's there they're, there's two sides and they're both they're both just there and uh, I think you talk about it I, I think you handle it in a very interesting way yeah thank you it was difficult you know I'm, I'm I'm definitely I'm not very experienced at crafting a plot so it was difficult to get all of those you know the thing the issues in the moments that I wanted to achieve under the umbrella of an end-to-end story that made sense right. but um <laughs> but I mean for me you know the job that I wanted to do was to contribute something valuable to the lore and and make something that fans could be excited about and relate to and then also I did just it was it was important to me that we could have these conversations about the book even if like you know I, this is for me what was was strong about my experience writing it just getting to talk about stuff like this yeah um i mean there was another interesting bit in there too where you know lana's doing all her confessional stuff with little, little right. diversity yeah. otter yeah um i was kids are spoiled <laughs> diversity get, otter. these friggin toys that so yeah, like, and, 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 and this, this might be a generational thing but that the the idea of like these these like toys and the, the branding of this is very to me it's like it reminded me of like a very 90s thing a very like like kids with action figures like that's that doesn't really happen now because they have like you know, iPads and cell phones and games. Yeah, they have virtual things. But like in the 90s, like an action figure was like a big deal. It was like a big thing. That was of course tied into a TV show that was ostensibly teaching about, you know, oh, how to take care of the environment or watching Captain Planet or whatever. All the PSAs after He-Man or something, right? Exactly, yeah. When I was coming up as a journalist, there was actually a lot of that. Like there's going to be toys that have virtual components and like I found it so... I didn't like, I wasn't interested in, and I didn't like those types of products at the time. Um, and so for me, when I was like, okay, what's sinister? I was like, for toys with real world virtual components, virtual goods are sinister. This is bad. <laughs> right, right, right. Sorry, sorry, yeah. guys, you gotta. Oh, but I just a bit that I thought was interesting where like she, when Lana's doing everything conventional with the diversity otter, and then it's telling her just like how much people are. Like it's like oh you got a lot of likes on that yeah. last Big video stars. Yeah. that was yeah yeah that was one your, thing. Se- your sense of self worth today should come from this report I'm giving you on your social media engagement yeah, exactly but <laughs> I, was like, I was like oh god you're just externalizing all this oh no it's yeah and, 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 she, and she totally falls for it because yeah. like you would because well because she, wow. she she she's in a pretty miserable situation at that time yeah, um, yeah I thought I thought you did Max really well because you didn't do her very much because she's no she's, I, I she's just like wanted to have her. Weird, force of nature that kind of breezes by and i thought yeah i, thought, I didn't feel like i could like uh, harness that mechanical bull and, and take it in any kind of direction i, I just wanted her to because yeah, i i wasn't like oh here it comes we're gonna get this the, the whole the whole max thing but and it was like handled very 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 well elegantly yeah i wanted her i wanted her there just because she's like pretty much my favorite but also because she forms for me a point of comparison between like you know she's a person who's really sacrificed a lot to you know to to wage these this war and she's a person who really has what it takes to wage this war right, and yeah. and she provides a good contrast to Lana who doesn't really yeah but but also at no point does does Max do any kind of, I mean of course it's not the that's not the kind of person <laughs> she is but there's like there's <laughs> even with all like the actual um runner runners in the game with almost all of them like there's no grandstanding 
right? Right. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, here's how we're gonna fight the corporations and take that. It's like they just do. Yeah, what they're they... all doing it for their own reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's a genuine anarchist. I think she liked the idea of messing up the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just like oh, we're like you're just gonna. It's like she's. She, I don't think Max is under any illusions that tomorrow, you know, NBN stock is gonna plummet and they're gonna get no. bought out and folded by their biggest competitor. Or it's just like we're just gonna mess this mess with them because fun. These, oh, guys, she's these, like, these people she's are like, assholes. I hate, I hate Let's Sunshine make Junction. I hate Sunshine Junction. I hate my shitty job. Um, you know, I I'm miserable. I'm going to I'm going to strike out in this way. And yeah. Also, Max has had that experience of being like under the camera, right? With yeah, some, in, in some of the cards. Yeah. Well, the one that nobody plays. The reality 3D. Yeah. Right. 3D, yeah. She's there fingering the camera. And so Max is mm. seeing the same kind of thing. So there might even be a shred of like empathy yeah. that yeah, she I think has so. for Lana. There's a tiny bit. But it's a tiny bit. It's somewhere. It's really of like, oh, kid. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, we're the same age. Yeah. Max is like, maybe on paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I, I did like, I don't know if this was also another, to talk about the ending real quick, like, it, it also reminded me of the oh, I don't remember it's it's in the first season of Black Mirror. Mm. It's the one where everyone has like those weird exercise bikes. Oh, that's that... the one that I didn't watch because everyone told me it was bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting because the ending of that. Oh, yeah. Now we're spoiling Black Mirror. Sorry. <laughs> um, the ending of that episode has kind of a, a vaguely similar thing where, um, like the entire thing is framed as like it's almost like um. Oh, it's the one in the UK with like Simon Cowell and and people push the X's. X, uh, uh, X, X Factor. X Factor, there right? we go. Yeah. That in the show, you know, people are like doing this weird bike exercising thing to earn credits to try to go on this reality show. And if they're very successful and they like get like the three thumbs up, then, oh, maybe they'll get out of this weird like oh, drone wow. hive workhorse <laughs> thing. And so <laughs> the the main character of that Black, Black Mirror episode, like when he gets on the show, he just goes on this crazy, insane, like tirade rant about like almost, you know, like something from the network. Right. Where it's just like, right. this is all this is all bullshit. You know, like these people just manipulating us. And then the judges all just clap. And they're like, yes, that was very progressive. <laughs> yeah, Would you yeah, like yeah. your own show? <laughs> and then so this guy who's like thought he was like striking out against the system, or whatever, just ends up becoming another like entertainment slot that people tune into and occasionally watch. And then as soon as he's done, they go on to like watch the weird porn thing that's on the next Oh yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, that's totally what." Oh, that, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it reminded me of that where it's like, you know, Lana ends up inside of NBN, and, and like the pitch they make is like, "Oh, we, like you seem very passionate about these causes. Would you like to do some confessional reporting about bio?" And then it's like, you know, maybe you should use the skills that you have to try to make a difference from the inside. It's certainly better than suffering impotently outside the system, yeah. theoretically, yeah. right? So it's it's not as simple. Yeah, like she really did need a job, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, totally. It's like oh, maybe- she was deprived. She was economically deprived by a collapsed, you know, educational system and and you know all of those things. Yeah, so it's kind of like, um, oh, maybe she will make a difference but the worst thing is like in the end totally doesn't care yeah well like no, look at like, 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 like look at johnny who's like the they they basically just set him up and he starts he sells out right away and then yeah. you, and, the, and, and the, the, then we find out he was actually just trying to help lana in his own lana, way yeah in his own way but he still comes off he's like no one's gonna know that they're gonna see like oh look at this poser who sold out his friends and just like yeah embraced well that's exactly what happened yeah which yeah. is exactly what happened 
Yeah, that's the kind of thing where it's like the act when the when the currency of of success for for a, an entertainment surveillance and other kind of thing is literally just attention. They actually uh-huh. don't care at all about what you do. It's like one is going to run a thing for Bioroid. It's like okay, sure, sure. Yeah. sounds good, whatever. How like, many just, how, how many minutes is that going to be? Yeah, like, how, how, how many like how much engagement are you going to give? That's actually yeah, the only thing they care about. And we need to we need to review her employee satisfaction index. That's all that matters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, because they don't, they don't you, they, that was actually pretty well observed of you. Um, I didn't think that much about that aspect that how much they don't care because they don't care about Bex either. They're like, yeah, your work is awesome, but you know, here are some numbers that you have to meet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and like, she's, she's killing herself for this, this, this work. Yeah. She's obviously. literally she's killing literally herself killing for herself. her job. Yes. She has no, she, ha- I actually, I feel bad for her. She has no milieu to be valued at her job. Like, these, these are the, this work is important to her yeah. and like, you know, she has no support. She has no relationship, you know? So yeah, she is just like working within an inch of her life and with augmentation to try to try to achieve something that presumably will finally make people care about her. Right. But then, you know, the actual, I- including good old Mr. Howard himself, it's just like, yeah, what's, what's the performance index? Yeah. That's all they <laughs> care about. Yeah. Um, so well, I guess we, we have to at least very briefly talk about that. <laughs> Yay. Mr. Jackson yeah, Howard is actually yeah. is in the book. Is it, so is this? Um, I, I haven't read the the, the 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 tome of the 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 lore the lore the lore tome. But is this one of the first uh, incarnations of Jackson Howard written, or has he been written before? And you had like a template to go kind of off of. Uh, I don't know. There was there was some basic stuff established in the lore bible, but honestly, not much. Oh, cool. So I was kind of able to, I was kind of able to add to that. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I mean, was there specific things that you that you had always felt had been <laughs> present in in the character of Jackson Howard through his various interactions that you wanted to draw out more in the book? Uh, yeah, I want I wanted to emphasize the ambiguity. Um, yeah, I find I find him really charming and sweet and fun, and I, and that's really interesting to me. <laughs> right, because <laughs> he's. He's kind of a bad guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, quit, but, you know, quit this, I guess, stuff. She's, she's, well, you're constantly defending him. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> he's not a bad guy. He's just weird. <laughs> he's, he's, he's weird. He just cares about. He just cares about. He just he just loves toys and design. You know, like honestly, I sort of got. I think he's probably some part of him comes from my time in video games where like you have these massive sinister corporations who talk at you in corporate speak about how much fun they're designing you know what right. i mean and it's yeah. like you know surely deep inside somewhere are kids that grew up playing you know and you know obviously we don't get into the business of play unless we love play but what would it look like if he managed to main you know what would a what would a corporate overlord of play look like if he managed to maintain his enthusiasm and vigor at the same time i think that would be a pretty creepy um coexistence totally. of two factors that don't normally coexist so like <laughs> there, there's a situation where it's like he's always laughing yeah, well, yeah, yeah. not about anything it's not funny <laughs> he's, he's, he's kind of like he's like, like Peter Pan in a way yeah. right? like he, just, yes. well, he just never yes. he never grew up yeah. but he got yeah. into a position of a hell of a lot of power yeah. and he can influence a lot of kids now yeah, and I think honestly, I think he cares about the business trajectory. I think he cares about the interna- entertainment initiatives. I think he cares about the employee indices, but I think he also really cares about toys and kids <laughs> at the same time. And I think, you know, he some level of social disconnect is present there to help him manage those two goods. Yeah, 
I definitely, I love the scene near the end where Lana actually ends up, not Lana, uh, where Bex ends up in his office. And his <laughs> office is just like an archive of all this stuff yeah. that has been tried in the past. It was Flaggy the World Flag Friend or yeah. something like that. And, and, yeah, Flaggy the Flags of the World Friend. There we go. It's like, <laughs> and I, I, I love the, the the picture you painted with like Bex, this like, you know, this, this wired out, burnt out, fried woman in this like colorful... Has to sit in the paw print chair. Sits yeah. in this ridiculous chair and just kind of sizzles. Oh, I'm so glad you like that. Vibrates, right? Yeah, it totally yeah. reminds me. Like I could just so easily picture some like horrible Silicon Valley just douche field startup office <laughs> where like all the chairs are bean bags. Well, yeah. they do have that anyway, and I'm... it's like we let we make this more fun. And and <laughs> oh, Jesse, if you didn't read the lore, you, you, Jackson Howard has installed adult playgrounds um, at the building to creatively inspire the staff. Um, so it's that type, yeah, it's that type of startup culture. Gross. I mean, I, I borrowed a lot from what grosses me out in startup culture to supply NBN <laughs> yeah, and, and mission, a lot of that mission accomplished. We're we're constantly playful and creative adults who are part of a community of workers who respect each other like bullshit. No. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, you just put in a big slide in a ball pit, and we're supposed to like each other more now, or something. Well, yeah, but but I think I think it would hurt his feelings if you told him that wasn't actually working. I know, yeah, oh. because he's like so like psychotic or whatever. Like yeah. he's like, well, it works for me. Of course, yeah, I, of well, course, sitting on a beanbag is fun. And yeah, like, picture him. Picture him on the uh, in the executive suite of the broadcast square head quarters like sliding in the ball pit by himself like yeah. trying to get inspiration yeah it's like on the one hand really sweet and charming and on the other hand like totally creepy yeah well, and well, in a way he's yeah yeah but then you have to think like man maybe he's right you know maybe i just need to lighten up and go into yeah. and slide into the fucking ball pit you know, no, he's like, making it work. He's found a way to. He's found a way. In, in in a way, he's sort of like antithetical to the whole themes of the book because he has the things he believes in, and he has the corporate good, and it works. And he yeah. can ba- and he can balance those two things and remain happy, which neither Bex nor Lana can do. Yeah, right. that's true. He, he's, he's the real hero. He's got it all figured out. <laughs> you, 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 Jesse, you, you got it. The real hero is Jackson Howard, and that's what and I've been trying to convey. Like, you're like, okay, okay. I, I, have, I have two scenes with Jackson Howard. I'm, I'm going to yeah. make it. Yeah. I, I also liked uh, when I saw Monitor. I was like, um, I was wondering how you're going to handle like the the, the 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 big guys with boots. You know, the, the armored NAP yeah. or stuff. And it's in there very, very, very subtly. And uh, really, the only time it really comes up and it's right in our faces is when Lana gets captured from Max's uh, yeah. uh, uh, habitat. Um, and I, it, it was, it was I, I don't know, I just, I really like that because like, there's always like the, um, what's what's that old pulp writing thing? It's like, well, just if, you know, if nothing's happening, just make two guys with machine guns break in. Exactly. In your story, right? And you you, you didn't do that. It was just like, it was uh, in a moment of weakness, Lana kind of bleeped out, oh, I'm here to the poor, yeah. to the otter. And that was like, well- yeah, the otter the otter decided on its own actually to do that yeah. because it di- it didn't like the way the wind was changing. It, it, it felt unsafe. <laughs> it felt unsafe. Yeah, right. Because it was about the, 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 wait. So yeah, because uh, the otter talks about his own mortality. Like, yeah. Like, are, are, yeah. are my guts gonna be ripped out, Lana? It, Why would yeah, you do that felt, to me? It felt unsafe. And yeah, like there's there's a lot in the lore for people who are willing to look for it about just how uh, deep the Jackson Howard toy designs go in terms of you know whether there are you know. Whether they're whether they are life forms or not, so I, I wanted to kind of open up the discussion on that. Yeah, topic. when 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 Lana tries to break it and then something organic, yeah, blew, out of it, you're blew, like, yeah. oh god, it's like was that like some sort of yeah, weird? Did she kill something? Yeah, was that like a weird brain <laughs> taping thing? It's like this thing seems quite self 
aware and reactive for an AI. Yeah. And I know it's like crazy cyberpunk future where the AI is really smart, but yeah. actually the way they usually accomplish that is just by copying someone's brain or making a clone or something. Oh, oh, that's... Uh-huh. Can you imagine getting like willed into life as Doofus Dinosaurus? Like, guess oh what? God. You're the running joke. You're the idiot. You're the you're you're, you're the gag. So well, that's what I wanted. I wanted to give him, but you know, readers can be happy because you know, Chaos Theory essentially has rescued hers and repurposed it. And um, I thought that added sort of an additional layer to why Dinosaurus is a hacker's console, like because you know we want to we want to take this poor fella out of the yeah, you know, we, oh, evil right, right, the yeah. behavior policing <laughs> matrix, you know, and and now you're free. And, yeah, and give him a win. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think this yeah. further cements the 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 Dinosaurus as perhaps the most tragic hero of all of the Android <laughs> Netrunner universe. Yeah, ne- just, oh yeah, like that card with the with the, him in shambles. Yep, well. so there's there's Shattered Remains. Shattered where, Remains. Where Dinosaurus is blown up. But then there's a new card coming in the next pack called Financial Collapse. Right. Oh, where right. Chaos yeah. Theory's parents were fighting because of the whole, apparently a bunch of money was lost through the um, 23, 23 seconds of it. Right. And she's just kind of sitting there like looking so sad and hugging her dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, this is the saddest it's, it's like, it's so tragic. Oh, poor little tiny. The dinosaurus represents our wish to escape corporate and rigid systems of surveillance and social policing. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to come up with a better place to end than that. No, that's... <laughs> I think that just ties it all up with a delightful bow. Oh, wonderful. Guys, thank you. It means so much to me that you uh, read the book and that you were so enthusiastic about it. Um, I hope, you know, it, it, it makes me feel good, like maybe some of the fans are going to enjoy it too. Oh, yeah. I think people will, will definitely, definitely dig this. And again, um, if folks are now all now frothing, champing at the bit to get a hold of this, all you got to do is bounce over to FFG's website um, or head down to your local place where you get cool board game stuff and they should be able to set you up with a copy as well. Great. Yeah, so Lee, thank you wow. very thank much you for coming on. If, if folks thank you. were enraptured by Monitor, and of course they will be, and want to read some, oh. more, of the, some more stuff from you, where, where can they do that? Um, well, let's see. Uh, so I do a lot of my freelance at The Guardian right now. So I have an author page at The Guardian. I have an author page at my Vice Mother, my, mice mother, vice mother Board. <laughs> ah, the Mice um, Mother Board. The, <laughs> um, you know, I post about my things on my website, LeeAlexander.net, or you can follow me on Twitter at LeeAlexander, where I share a lot of my links. And your other books are available to purchase on your is it oh, Gumroad? Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah, you have to go to my website to find the link to my Gumroad yeah. page. Breathing Machine is available on Amazon, oh, cool. um, which is the main one that I feel like probably still holds up. <laughs> I, I still really I like Mona is short, but I think it's very interesting and very creepy. Thank I, you. Oh no, I'm very proud of Mona. If, um, I have a Gumroad page where you can buy Mona, um, and there would be links to buy Mona on my website. There we go. Cool. All right. And as always, if folks have any questions, thoughts, feedback, whatever for us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Term7 or email us at Terminal7 at IdleThumbs.net. And thank you very much this week to Mr. Joey Goddard of mm, Power Up Audio that's right. for helping us engineer this cool, lovely, fancy guest cast. Mm-hmm. Um, if folks need cool audio solutions for their video games... Uh, for some point out in the future because good lord is power up in high demand they these are days. backed up yep. <laughs> uh, you can look for power up audio on the internet and finally thank you very much to Mr. Ed Harrison for letting us use his track Tin Soldiers from the Neo Tokyo OST if you want to grab that and of course you should you should get it you should put it on and listen to it as you're reading Monitor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you oh, go. Wow, yeah. Oh, gosh. Actually, I should. I, I made a playlist for Monitor. I made a Spotify playlist of saccharine electronic music that I thought really goes well with the book, and I structured it 
Um, I should I should I should send you guys a link to that playlist so that you can share it with folks. You I definitely do that. Entirely and, about that. And we yeah. will put it in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, you want the official monitor playlist? We will share that. That is yes, absolutely. We will. That is yeah. that is that is a, that is an oral accompaniment that I did not have while I was reading it. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot all about so it. Folks should definitely <laughs> get in for the full 5D sensory experience. <laughs> um, and Project once, Feel is here, everybody. Yeah, that's right. And then once you finish <laughs> off listening to that. You can bounce over and grab the Neo, Neo Tokyo OSD in case, just in case, the full monitor place doesn't get you quite through those last few pages of the book. <laughs> and that's over at edharrison.bandcamp.com. I forgot what episode this is, so let me look. 54. 54. Right? Or was last episode? Oh, shit. This is where this this gets edited out. (laughs) This is is, uh, definitely going on the cast. (laughs) Yeah.